everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of May 4th through May 11th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. The ultimate grass-type starter Pokemon. And Ben Lamoureux. I am super pumped for Pokemon Summon Moon. We are here one day later than usual because Wednesday, the day we're recording this, was DNA's investor meeting. Uh, They didn't really announce much, but always better safe than sorry. Nevertheless, this week's got a fantastic news block with our first real look at Pokemon Sun and Moon, Mario content in Minecraft, mobile games, E3's Nintendo Direct, or lack thereof, uh, rumors that NX might use cartridges, so much more. That's a huge amount of stuff for us to cover, so we're cutting the episode there. We won't have any discussion segments this week. Next week will be two new discussion segments, though, so get pumped. Uh, We originally recorded it all as one episode, but it's a busy, busy time of year and we can't get anything new recorded next week, so we decided it's better to split the two halves up uh, so our lovely voices can still land upon your ears come next Wednesday. Uh, but both episodes are going to be great. They'll be longer than a half episode. Uh, so without further ado, let's get today's started. Pokemon Sun and Moon have been officially revealed for the first time. We've got a new trailer revealing the region, the starters, and the legendaries. Uh, Obviously, the best way to get a look at everything is to watch the two trailers, which you can check out at Gamnesia. You can also check out the game's official website, which is now live, and an awesome analysis video by GameXplain. But for starters, we've got a water-type seal named Poplio, a fire-type kitty named Litten, and a grass-flying owl named Rowlet. The legendaries are a huge white sun lion and a big moon bat. The region called Alola is very clearly inspired by Hawaii. It's a very tropical region. Um, So these games launch in North America and Japan on November 18th and Europe on November 23rd. What did you guys think of all this? So I was kind of excited anyway just because, you know, it's it's a new Pokemon game, obviously. I mean, super pumped even if that's... uh, you know, maybe I'm just looking at it through nostalgic glasses, and I, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be as pumped. But having uh, having seen this new trailer and the follow up uh, analysis by Game Explained, which was excellent, by the way, absolutely, I, uh, I'm I'm like just way more pumped now. I mean, they pointed all kinds of little details that I didn't notice, but I'm really excited about what looks like a, a more sort of realistic world to explore. There's yeah, like absolutely terrain and things like that, and just the way the map was shown, it looks like there's going to be a lot of different areas to explore. Just the way the map looks is completely different than totally. previous games too it's like more topographical uh and i've been wanting pokemon for a long time now to really just sort of pick up more action adventure elements and feel more like a just like a a game you know than specifically a pokemon game and i'm Uh sure it's it's going to still feel very very familiar but it's nice to just see this world that looks sort of more fleshed out and more open and interesting yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so there with you. Um, something that you said that that really uh, resonated with me is that it looks more like a real world. Um, mm-hmm. And I noticed in particular, I think it feels so original, so much more original this time around because uh, they actually are breaking conventions of Pokemon's like setting structure, not the story structure or even the gameplay structure, but some elements of the setting that have been consistent for so long and just been taken for granted by the by Game Freak. Uh, like for example, six regions and every single one of them you walk to the professor's lab to be shown three Pokeballs on a table. Um, I mean, I guess they didn't do that in Ruby and Sapphire, 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 but Fire, but but then they just ran straight back to that idea. Um, anyway, uh, 
just using the world in this way and and using the unique characteristics of the region and the 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 local setting to make the actual experience of seeing the pokemon battle or seeing the pokemon in the overworld or even the way that the character interacts with the world uh, is so much more unique. Uh, I was noticing these routes where there are these like totem poles uh, sort of strewn around, along the path and it looked it looked like the road actually was winding rather than Pokemon, you know, goes straight to the right for a little while and then will maybe jig-jag up, you know, yeah, to the... The world isn't all like a big grid anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's It looks like the grid is still there for walking uh, but at least graphically it looks like it's not present. Yeah, and that that was really, really satisfying for me. So, for my part, I mean, you guys have heard me talk before about my sort of deep, dark disappointment with the X and Y. Um, <laughs> and uh-huh. I was kind of hoping that, that this game would give me a lot more hope uh, when I first saw it than it actually wound up giving me from this trailer. Um, I have obviously did notice a lot of the things you guys noticed, like the the, the settings seem more dynamic. Um, the the choice of setting itself is actually really cool, and I really like it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still going to be kind of cautiously skeptical and wait and see what the actual world content is going to be like, what the maps mm-hmm. map layouts mm-hmm. are going to be like, whether there's going to be some, like, innate challenge or uh, to exploration, whether there's, you know, well, well-designed well dungeons and caves to explore, things like that, things that I've been missing from the game. Sure. Um, but, you know, that said, I really like the Hawaii setting. Um, I pointed this out on Twitter, but I really like that the professor is a professor of color. <laughs> really great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since it's not really something that we've had a lot of in Pokemon up to this point. Yeah. You know, I was a little not too happy with the starters, but then I saw the Rowlet memes and I am now a Rowlet believer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I liked Rowlet uh, to start out with, and I saw, you know, there's lots of pictures of all of them going around the internet, and Rowlet definitely has won me over. Yeah. Oh, really. So. Uh, Rowlet's actually my least favorite. And really? It's, it's not because, I, th- I don't think it's a bad design or anything, it's like, I think it's actually really cute. It just, for some reason, it doesn't really strike me as a starter Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Uh, you know, we'll have to see how it evolves and everything. I kind of have that uh, same feeling from the whole lineup where it's like... Yeah, me too. These don't really feel like the first Pokemon, like, say, if I'm a new player, that these would be the, my first Pokemon that I'd be introduced to. I was going to say Litten gave me that same feeling. And I was really underwhelmed with them in general. Uh, and like, uh-huh. Not that any of them are bad, but just, like, I was expecting to be really blown away, and I wasn't. Yeah, I, I, I think they're all sort of just okay, but yeah. I I like Litten the best, and, you know, I, I generally tend to lean towards the fire starter, and then, you know, water is usually my second choice, but Litten is, is definitely my favorite thus far. Uh, I usually tend to lean towards the water Pokemon, but I'm not a big fan of Poplio. Um, Apparently no I, one is. Like, I don't think it's that bad, but yeah. it's like being trashed all over the internet. There's all kinds of memes I don't and know. stuff. It's definitely on the lower end of the the starter tier list, um, but Litten was interesting because I just usually tend to love cat Pokemon, and uh, Litten I'm not really that interested in Litten by its design, but just because it's a cat, I am inclined to to want to get it. Um, but I think all in all, I'm going to see how the evolutions look before I decide on a starter, because mm-hmm. uh, I love Rowlet. I could I could see myself liking Litten or not. Like, like I think the evolutions will make or break that. Um, and same could be true for Rowlet. I'm cautious because I, I worry that when it evolves into, like, its third stage, it's going to look just crazy and not, you know, not appealing anymore. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll see. Yeah, that's a worry for me too with with the recent starters. Is I, I always worry that I'll like the starting evolution much more than I'll like the final form, and that's yeah, that's not a good feeling yeah. for a starter Pokemon. Right. That's I think one of the things that they did really well in the older generations that are not as great now is that I yeah I feel like there are a lot more starter Pokemon who get attention given disproportionately to the original form than the final form and obviously the final form is what you the original form is what you want to bond with at the outset but you want to have a final form that you really really like too you know you can't give substance it's going to be with you for more hours than the initial form is yeah yeah you can't give the starters substandard final evolutions Minecraft Wii U Edition is getting tons and tons of exclusive Mario content in what's called the Super Mario Mashup Pack, a free new package giving players 40 Mario-themed character skins, 15 songs from Super Mario 64, and an entire pre-designed Mario world to explore. You can check out the announcement trailer at Gamnesia. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Beyond that, Wii U Edition is finally getting a retail version, so you can head into stores or order it online. You can pre-order it now, and it officially launches on June 17th. Uh, After all this news, Phil Spencer said that their partnership with Nintendo on Minecraft has been great, and that it's nice to see the Mario content work out so well. So this is pretty exciting for me, just because, like you said, they... They're packing quite a bit into this, like 40 new new skins, and then there's going to be like new uh, textures and things like that, too. And I really like the idea of just having this giant pre-designed Mario world to explore. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's all free. I'm one of those weird people who has never bought Minecraft, even though it's been (laughs) out forever. I've also still never bought Minecraft. Seriously? Yeah, and I'm considering picking it up on Wii U. I wanted to wait and see how the Nintendo, inevitable Nintendo version was going to shake out before I jumped on. Mm-hmm. And you waited seven years for that? I did. I did wait seven years for that. I mean, I, I commend your resilience. See, my worry is that if I start playing Minecraft, I will never do anything but. Um, yeah, but, that's you know, fair. Maybe, uh, maybe a Nintendo version is, is worth that sacrifice. But I'm really hoping that this opens the door up for uh, for more Nintendo-exclusive content. I kind of doubt Oh, totally. But... I don't know. I think well, this is content that I imagine is very easy, especially on Nintendo, to get done. Mm-hmm. So, given such a weak lineup, I could definitely see them in the later part of 2016 releasing like a Zelda pack and saying, "Hey, we still got stuff here." Yeah, that's what oh. I'm really hoping for. And that's funny and, because that um, was my initial reaction to the Mario content was, "Why is there no Zelda content?" Yeah, well, I remember. So I got really into Minecraft like. <sighs> five, six years ago. Um, So it's been a while since I've really dug into it. Um, And back then, I had a Zelda texture pack. I had a couple, actually, I think, based on different games. Uh, And they were fantastic. Like, that was so perfect for the world of Minecraft. It was, you know, felt right at home in, like, a 3D Hyrule. It was very cool. Um, And in, in the years since then, my interest in Minecraft has gone way down. But with this Mario pack, it's just shot back up. Because, first of all, Minecraft on the Wii U, it's always been sort of a dream team. I think the game ca- gamepad controls are not quite there yet, right? There, are they still are there, sort of are subpar? There game pad controls? I don't know. Just second screen. Not existing would be considered subpar, though. <laughs> that's that's true. They, there's no like exclusive gamepad features like crafting or anything like that. Okay. 
Either way though, uh, just all this Super Mario content and it's official and there's the music and I saw like there was this one shot of Captain Toad mm-hmm. as in, in Minecraft running going through this little minecart and that was just so adorable. Like, I mean for me it's all about the angry sun from Mario 3. Yeah, that was there too <laughs> and the sun from uh, Mario Sunshine. Yeah. Like there was so, so much content here. There was like poochie skins for sheeps or something. Uh, like I, I cannot believe it and uh it's just so so cool to see such an intensive um and and fan focused i think effort in in bringing this mario world to uh the gameplay of minecraft so that's really excited me and i i think i'm gonna pick up the retail version of minecraft when it comes out because this is what we've been wanting yep me as well yeah, if they're going to bring Mario and Minecraft, they did a, a perfect job, I'd say. I'm still really salty awesome. about Zelda, yes. though, because that is such <laughs> such a the, perfect match. And yeah, and it's weird that Mario is, is getting it. For, I, I, I worry maybe that they don't want Minecraft to compete with their Zelda game. But, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I... I don't think it's weird Mario's getting it first. I, I think it's more that Mario's really their their bread and butter, and so that's who, the character that they want to get Minecraft associated with first. And then, you know, Zelda can come six months later, for example. I don't think you should give up on Zelda content. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that they leverage it to, to build excitement for the new game. So Keep the dream alive, Alex. I, I will. <laughs> I'll keep hoping. But uh, All right. we'll see if Nintendo doesn't keep disappointing me. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up, Disney Infinity is ending its run. Disney will not make any more games. The figures and all that have all been canceled, and Disney as a whole has decided to no longer make self-published video games. Uh, this is related to Nintendo mostly just by tangent, but do you guys think that this spells anything worth mentioning for Nintendo, maybe in their relation to Disney as a publisher, um, or for the general idea of toys-to-life games? Well, if anything, it might mean that Amiibo would be, you know, a little easier to sell just because they'd be fighting for there'd be more shelf space with less people fighting for it in stores, but I don't I don't think this will particularly have that big of an impact on Amiibo. I think Disney Interactive was just terrible with money because <laughs> they they've for years now been bleeding hundreds of millions of dollars a year, mm-hmm. and that's why they threw everything they had into Disney Infinity. They canceled everything else they were working on and laid off a whole bunch of employees uh-huh. just to focus on Disney Infinity. And even though it's been selling well, I guess it still must not be uh, as profitable well enough. as we were expecting. Yeah. So I don't think this really necessarily says uh, that the Toys to Life category is going down the drain, although I imagine it'll shrink a little bit just because every fad like that yeah. does eventually shrink. But yeah. I think this more just shows us that Disney is still terrible at making video games. Or yeah, not making that's... money off of video games, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of my read on that. My main read on this, anyway, is that it's it's just an extension of Disney's struggle to succeed in the game space. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot yeah. of that has to do with they haven't ever treated their games the same way they treat their films, uh, creatively as well as quality wise. Um, now, I, I think you should clarify that because I think a lot of people are going to tell you you can't make games the same way you make movies. When I when I say that, what I mean is that they don't cherish the games that they turn out the same way that they cherish their film so, sort of the process of creating games and what makes games unique as a medium right okay they are very versed in what it, it takes to make a really great film and they haven't yeah. quite uh had the same level of expertise as far as their games 
Now, that's not to say that Disney Infinity is a bad game per se, but Disney Infinity also suffers from another problem Disney has, which is that a lot of its products are basically just glorified marketing tools. And that's very much Mm -hmm. how I've always felt about Disney Infinity ever since I first tried it out at E3 a few years ago. Uh, I played it back to back with Skylanders, and I always felt very much that Skylanders was more of a like complete package type of game, whereas mm-hmm. Disney Infinity was more about just kind of selling the Disney Infinity toys. It, it wasn't quite like the the shovelware licensed game. It was a step above that, but it didn't really feel like a like a true game, you know, built from scratch to be a good right. game by, right. Its, right. by its own merits. Well, because they would always sell those little smaller packs, and they were always based on what movies were coming out. You know, you would get yep. mm-hmm. like like Disney Infinity two got like. An Aladdin figure and a Donald figure and a Stitch figure, but anytime they actually released like a substantial upgrade to a game, it was always like, hey, here's all the characters from Inside Out. Here's everyone from the Good Dinosaur. Here's everyone from Star Wars 7, you know? Yeah. And if the, if this means anything for Nintendo, I think that they should pay attention to kind of the the problems Disney Infinity did have like I know a big one for a lot of people was that the toy the toy sets didn't really cross over outside of the toy box mm-hmm. mode um, and I think that kind of should be a signal that if you're going to have crossover uh, toys to life content it really does need to be crossover it can't just be mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, segregated experiences within like a single game like I think Nintendo's right. approach has been very different than that up to this point where they've had sort of different ideas for amiibo based experiences in otherwise complete games and i think that's uh-huh. that's a good strategy to start with but if they're gonna make a very amiibo centric crossover game they need to make it uh kind of a holistic experience rather than a bunch of scattered experiences yeah i totally agree very good point all right uh so scooching back to nintendo's actions here we've got another collaboration they're teaming up with vans to release tons of nintendo themed shoes including a pair of flip-flops uh you can check out the original eight designs they revealed or any of the following four over at gamnesia.com there are some cool unexpected designs like a neat camo duck hunt pattern there's an nes controller one uh what do you guys think are you headed to the footlocker anytime soon I guess well, not. I think, uh, all the design, all the designs are pretty cool, but I, I just I don't spend a lot of money on shoes. Uh-huh. I'll be honest. I I go into a, a store and just find like the cheapest pair of shoes yeah. that fits and like feels comfortable. So, um, but I'm really glad to see them doing more licensing like this. I think this is pretty cool. Um, I'm a little. I'm sure Alex will share my sentiments here. A little curious as to why they're not including uh, Splatoon yep. games, but. I will be all over Splatoon fashion. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll see more soon. But I think I think something that I noticed, Mario is basically all of them except the <laughs> Duck Hunt, the NES. Yeah. The there was this like red striped one that I think represents NES in some way, but I, I can't really tell how. Uh, there was a Donkey Kong one uh, and one Zelda all stuff one. within like the Mario universe for the most part. Yeah, it was like it, there was like five designs that were not Mario and. One of them was Donkey Kong, which is kind of Mario, mm-hmm. and the the only other one was Zelda or Duck Hunt stuff that really way back when. I think they're going for really the retro stuff here because a lot of it also was pixel art. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, I think if these are going to be successful, then we may see more. And Splatoon totally could be uh, one of the earliest contenders. Well, I would say they could do like Fire Emblem shoes since that's one of their major franchises now. But we know Fire Emblem characters don't have feet, so. <laughs> that's just awakening i think they have well played feats now don't they yeah 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 <laughs> now they do they're evolving yeah uh 
I am with you though, Ben. I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to shoes, but uh, as long as I'm so young and hip, I, maybe this is my chance to go out and get a pair of pants <laughs> that I like. We'll see. Um... So, DNA's investor meeting was held very recently, and they announced that the upcoming mobile games based on Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing will both be free to play. We know next to nothing still about either of these games, so I don't know how much we'll be able to say for certain based on this, but did this interest you guys at all? So, for me, uh, I've noticed uh, with Mitomo, a lot of people that I didn't really expect to be super into Nintendo stuff have been using Mitomo. Mm-hmm. Like my sister-in-law, who doesn't play games, plays Mitomo all the time. She says, said most recently to me that she's exhausted all the questions and she doesn't seem to have any more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I could see Animal Crossing being free-to-play being a good sort of graduate step for her as a sort of Nintendo mobile gamer. Okay. And so I don't think it would have that would have been the case had it been a, a pay-to-play game. Um, I don't think she'll be going on to Fire Emblem or anything, but I think Animal Crossing is a good next step for, for someone like her. And and if someone like her can be convinced to play Fire Emblem, or I'm sorry, Animal Crossing, then, you know, who knows how many other people can be convinced to play, play Animal Crossing. Yeah, I fully expected Animal Crossing to be free to play. I mean, that just seems like the kind of model yeah. where you want to get as many people, you know, playing it. It's, it's geared more towards a... A wider, more casual audience. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to put an Animal Crossing 3DS game out as a free-to-play model, I mean, of course the mobile is going to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, I mean, they, they had already tested the waters. Yeah. Uh, now, with Fire Emblem, I kind of expected maybe some sort of payment model, but I, I don't really know how you would go about implementing that. Maybe you can, like, buy unbroken weapons. What's that? You know, pay to get... Well, so Fire Emblem has, you know, the older games, mm-hmm. not anymore as of Fates, but the older ones had the weapon durability, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking maybe you could, like, pay to recover uh, weapon use, regain it over time, but you can pay 99 cents to get, like, unlimited for a day, something like that. Yeah, so I, I think it's interesting that uh you know nintendo has said that they're planning to launch uh five mobile games and that they'll use various different payment models including some Mm -hmm. where you just you know pay at launch but so far first three are all free to play so either they've they've changed their minds or they're saving the sort of more experimental payment models for later in the year well maybe the payment models beneath the umbrella of free to play are different like maybe one of them is based on you know regenerating item use over Mm -hmm. time well i'm I'm pretty sure they specifically said that they were going to release a game where you just paid for it once oh for sure true yeah yeah um i think what colin's getting at though is that you know for fire for for mitomo obviously the payment model is you pay for things to use to buy the the fashion stuff right for fire emblem i could see them doing something kind of like what they did with for the fire emblem awakening dlc where you pay you know for a a new set of maps that other other uh, players don't have or you pay for legacy characters like marth and roy that wouldn't otherwise be present in the game oh definitely uh, things like that um, and so, in that sense, the what you get for for the payment is will be different between these games, of course. Yeah, and then I think something like Animal Crossing can work on a payment model of you know you get what I think would be fantastic is you get to uh, like the mobile app is like you design stuff kind of like Happy Home Designer or like you get you, you get all these menus where you can basically like visit any of the shops where you customize your clothes or you uh, customize your hair um, you can you know buy furniture and stuff from Tom Nook's store and you got the Happy Home Designer sort of design your house here's what stuff's going to look like uh, and maybe you can do you know ordinances and stuff like you know your mayor- mayoral duties uh, like from the phone but then you go to the game version 
version of Animal Crossing, and that is your entire experience. That's when you can walk around the town. That's when you can actually talk to villagers. That's when you can do anything. Um, but all the sort of all the sort of little customization stuff you can do on the fly on mobile. And I think that if they do a model kind of like that, then they can use that to introduce a ton ton of customization options and have some of them, you know, offered at more of a premium level. I can't imagine anything being expensive, but I can I can definitely see them saying something like, hey, well, you are 50,000 bells in debt to Tom Nook. If you want to keep working for him for another month, go ahead. Or if you want to just stop right now and get your nice house, then, you know, pay us five bucks. Yeah, Tom Nook was my immediate thought for Animal Crossing. Um, uh-huh. Because uh, I think... I mean, Animal Crossing of all franchises already is very suited to microtransactions just because it's not a game where the online connectivity is competitive in any way. So it really just is a matter mm-hmm. of you you buy stuff. That's what Animal yeah. Crossing itself is about. So I, mm-hmm. I you know I could see that definitely being the the easy uh, thing to to expect. But but I think also even the small the smaller things uh, like like clothing items, maybe you spend fifty cents and get you know an item from the clothing mm-hmm. store or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, you know, spend 50 cents and you get, like, a fifth custom design slot for your shirt umbrella designs or something like that. yeah. So, Nintendo hasn't announced any kind of Nintendo Direct event for E3, but this week they revealed that on June 14th, the day they usually hold their show, Reggie will introduce Treehouse Live, where they'll be live-streaming footage of Zelda U all day. Uh, They'll also be holding a presentation for business partners on the same day, though we don't know many of the details of that. In the end, it sounds an awful lot like Nintendo won't even have much of a news presence at E3, at least in the traditional sense. Uh, Obviously, they're not talking about Nintendo NX, so it's not like they have a lot to to announce, but with at least a couple games in the pipe for 3DS and Wii U, do you guys think a Nintendo Direct could have been worth it? Um, or at least maybe bringing other games to the floor? Kind of, not really. I mean, kind the of. one game that I... <laughs> the one big game that I think would be worth bringing to E3 is Pokemon, mm-hmm. and Pokemon has never really needed to be at E3. Yeah. So... No. <laughs> That said, I don't. I don't think uh, they need a Nintendo Direct for for at least the other okay. games that we know about. Um, now, you know, if they wanted to do more Zelda related stuff besides Zelda U, that E three would be a great place to showcase and announce that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard talk of like a Skyward Sword HD, which I think should totally happen. Would be a great send off uh, for Wii U's legacy, <laughs> um, Zelda wise. I'd still rather see Ocarina of Time HD, but that's just me. Oh, I mean, I'd I'd love that. I that would be my number one preference, but I don't think that's happening, or at least not in the way that I'd like it to happen. And then they could release it on the same day as uh, Final Fantasy. VII. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I I kind of wonder if Nintendo just doesn't want to trot out a mediocre E3 lineup for two years in a row, yeah. just because they got such a backlash last year with how subpar their E3 performance was. So, you know, I, I guess maybe they're thinking, let's just focus on the one really good mm-hmm. card we have, being Zelda, just go all in on that. But I, I don't know, I, I kind of wonder how entertaining an all-day live stream of Zelda is going to be. It's interesting, too, because so many companies are, like, dropping out of E3 this year, uh, where, you know, we see, like, EA's hosting their own thing, Disney's hosting their own thing. Uh, so, you know, Nintendo's E3 presence might be reduced significantly uh, from last year, but we'll have to see, you know, how much more significantly Nintendo's is reduced uh, compared to E3's presence as a whole uh we may find out that this year's e3 just is proportionately as unexciting for everyone as it is for nintendo and you know so 
by proxy, Nintendo may not, you know, disappoint people. I think the idea of making E3 just a very focused Zelda experience could pay off in some ways, because I mm-hmm. feel like, at least last year, I really started to notice that the sort of Nintendo booth experience was not really as good as I wanted it to be. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's kind of stepped a lot back from the 24-hour news cycle thing, gaming-wise, um, I really wanted to be excited as a consumer again, and not just as a, as a games media mm-hmm. person. And they had the like Star, the Star Fox like cockpit thing. They had that giant Mario Maker display, but like I didn't really feel like any of that stuff helped me connect all that much with the games. And I feel like if they do Zelda right at E3, then then that'll be something that they can hopefully uh, pull off. Yeah, and they, they keep using the phrase totally immersive experience. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think a lot of the stuff that they've had recently, the Mario Maker booth is a great example. There was such a big presence, but it was all just set decoration. It wasn't an actual... It didn't contribute in any meaningful way. Uh, Sitting in this Star Fox R-Wing wasn't really that interesting. You still felt completely like you were just sitting playing a game. Yeah. Um, And, like, the Mario Maker decorations, that was just a big towering presence over the hall. You weren't even... you. It was just a big yellow wall. Like, that's... That's not interesting in any way. You're still standing up, staring at its screen, playing the Mario game, uh, you know, that you played a year ago. Uh, yeah. So the E3 experience itself, yeah. I think and, with, and with the draw for Zelda U being its, its giant, supposedly immersive world, there are a lot of uh, ways that they could exploit that with an, an E3 oh, yeah. setup. And not only with the E3 booth setup, but with the things that kind of let you try out at the Zelda U, mm-hmm. uh, the Zelda U uh, gameplay demo experiences. What if they use their entire floor space to just make a real-life Zelda dungeon, and at the end is your, your demo session, and you this know, little cave in a room? That actually, room in a cave. I, that's what I was thinking. I was kind of thinking it'll be set up like, like Hyrule Field. Yeah, with, uh, I think that's more likely. Various structures and things on the overworld, mm-hmm. but... I mean, we, we've seen other companies do things very similar to that, making you walk through, like, a castle. Yeah, or, or like a big a cavern. Right. Well, yeah. I hope they design it in such a way that it's a really great tease, where it shows you just enough so that, you mm-hmm. know, there's stuff kind of beyond the horizon, but not so much that you've seen, you know, all the settings the game has to offer. Um, I know with right. Skyward Sword, when that came out, they, they pretty much spilled the entire load before the game came out, and I hope that doesn't happen again. Yeah. All right. What Nintendo has announced is a new slogan. There's no play like it. It's got a sleek red and white look, and it's got the four face buttons Nintendo's known for when they show it in a visual form at the end of trailers. Uh, This launched in a trailer for the 2DS price drop, but I've seen people speculating that it will come into bigger play in the future, perhaps with NX. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but at least for now we can tell that it's a cool slogan and a nice new design, so kudos. Yeah, I don't like the use of the word play in this slogan. I think it's a little strange. Yeah, I agree, but I think it eh, it comes together well, I think. But I really love the branding stuff that's going on. Like, I love the button swirling thing. I like yeah. the sort of flat design. I like that they brought back the red and white. Um, I like that they're aiming at a slogan that's more like that, where it can be more universal. Um, I've heard, seen speculation, and I really like this idea, mm-hmm. that perhaps the word play could be substituted out for other words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, for Zelda, there's no adventure like it. Um, but I don't know if that'll pan out. Yeah, no, uh, all great stuff. I agree with you on all that. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're not really sure what we're talking about here, uh, be sure to go check it out. Uh, check out that trailer I mentioned um, on YouTube. It's a cool visual flair, so it's hard to just sort of describe. 
And finally, our last story on the news block. Some people have been wondering lately whether the NX will use cartridges instead of discs, and their curiosity isn't entirely without merit. A recent report from Japan says the president of Macronics, which is the company who supplies Nintendo with their ROM cards for DS and 3DS games, expects their shipment of ROM chips to increase thanks to the release of the NX next March. Uh, so this raises two big questions, neither of which we can really answer, but may be worth asking as we navigate through Nintendo's weird waters of 2016. Uh, first, between the spring release and Macronics' involvement, is it possible that what we're getting in March is a handheld system? Uh, and second, if it uses cartridges, will it use them to replace discs if it's maybe potentially a home console? Uh, and then I guess sort of subsequently from there, is that a good idea? Will it even matter? Yada yada. All right, so we're having some technical difficulties. Um, so... We can't really hear Alex, but he's gonna talk Yay, anyway, internet. and uh, he'll he'll tell you what he has to say about this. You guys should be able to hear him. Yeah, you'll be you'll hear him fine. So, Alex, record away. <laughs> okay, so uh, just to kind of address the ROM chip uh, report. Um, so it looks like the source of this report is speculating that because Macronics is making newer 32 nanometer chips to replace the 75 nanometer chips they use for 3DS, that perhaps this is the ROM chip that uh, the president is talking about. That's possible. However, the story that is being reported in this case is nearly identical to one from about 10 years ago that was about Wii. And we obviously didn't use cartridges. So I'm thinking it's more likely that uh, Macronix is talking about ROM chips that are going to be used for the hardware and not ROM game cards. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I know that's one thing we were talking about uh, as a team for Gamnesia. Um, and I know uh, a copy editor, Justin, mentioned that the ROM chips are read-only. Uh, and so they wouldn't be able to say, oh, they wouldn't be able to write over data and wouldn't be used for hardware, it sounded like is what he was saying, but I also don't know enough about this to know whether that's, you know, accurate. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what exact component they supplied for Wii, but they did supply something for Wii, and they described it in very much the same way that they described whatever this component is. So I'm okay. thinking it's more than likely that kind of arrangement. Um, however, that doesn't necessarily preclude uh, Wii U, or I'm sorry, NX from using uh, cartridges. It just means that this report doesn't really confirm it. Okay, Alex is... All right, I don't know. You know. Yeah, I don't know if you're still saying anything, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I got, I got I, some I, fuzziness I, from you guys, too. Okay. I, I would assume it was very, very thoughtful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would like for this sort of... I, I don't really want to say rumor. It's, it's more like speculation or an assumption, you know, being made by uh, the, the publication that put this out. I would like for like something like that to be true. I think it would be great to use uh, cartridges again, as long as it's uh, uh, price effective. Just because I, I don't I don't know uh, how expensive these new chips they're using are going to be. Yeah. Um, and well, and also another thing is just like Nintendo either either they're going to have to include a big hard drive and allow you to install your games to the hard drive, or they're going to have to switch to something other than the the discs they're currently using, just because it's a huge bottleneck. Uh, you know, you look at Wii U, and that's got two gigs of RAM, one gig for uh, for actual games, so it can load a gig's worth of information onto your screen, hypothetically, at any point in time. 
but Wii U discs only read at like 23 megabytes a second. So if they wanted to actually use up that whole one gig to fill your screen with stuff, it would have to load for 40 seconds. Uh, and NX obviously is going to have more RAM than Wii U. It's going to be able to load more at once. And if it's comparable to PS4 and Xbox One, you're talking about 8 gigabytes of RAM and then discs that only read at 23 megabytes a second. So, you know, they're going to have to do something to erase that bottleneck, Mm -hmm. whether that's copying the competition and having you install games to a hard drive, or whether it's switching to something that reads faster, like cartridges, you know, that remains to be seen. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, I think all in all, my takeaway was that it's not really time to react positively or negatively. Um, If it uses cartridges, I think, you know, there's very good reason that 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 could be exciting and that could be a good move for them. Um, And if it doesn't and it still uses discs, I mean, hey, that is what it is. I I have nothing else to add, so. Okay, so I guess we'll just move on to the lightning round. All right, well, here we are with the lightning round, and because we kind of can't hear Alex much anymore, uh, we're just actually going to call it, uh, we're going to cut the episode now, uh, we'll try to figure out, it. we'll make it work next week uh, to be able to get those two other segments in. Um, but anyway, we've arrived at the beloved lightning round, where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more of any of these stories, or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site and on that page you'll see all these links all right so first up recent releases and stuff that is now available for you on wii u super meat boy should be available on the eShop in north america by the time you're listening to this this episode finally <laughs> uh, yeah i'll say on nintendo 3ds super punch out is now available for the super nintendo virtual console and if you don't have a new 3ds you can still play pocket card jockey a newly released horse racing solitaire game from game freak uh my roommate's been playing this a lot lately and i've heard a lot of people really enjoying this one uh it's just seven bucks so if you're looking for something new to play be sure to give it a look and if you play gen 6 of Pokemon as well, you can download a shiny Xerneas from now until May 17th. On mobile, Mitomo's got a new update that adds more friend features, but it is causing some phones to crash, so Nintendo is working on a patch. Then we've got a bunch of upcoming dates to look out for. May 13th, this Friday, is the beginning of the next Splatfest, which is based on Mitomo. Team Fancy. Oh, you gotta go with Team Silly. Or team Costume. I don't remember. <laughs> and it's also going to be the first one where uh, all three major regions are competing against each other at the same time. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, May 13th is also the launch of Disney Art Academy on Nintendo 3DS. May 17th, the Super Mario Mashup Pack launches for free in Minecraft Wii U Edition. May 17th is also your last day to download that shiny Xerneas and Pokemon. May 20th, Nintendo's cutting the price of the 2DS down to $80. May 21st, Nintendo NY is holding a Pokémon Tournament Championship. May 26th, Square Enix will celebrate Dragon Quest's 30th anniversary with a live stream. July 31st, the Pikachu-themed Pokémon Tournament Controller releases in North America in limited quantities. And sometime in September, Ace Attorney 6 launches in North America as a digital-only game under its new name, Spirit of Justice. And then finally, a rundown of all the smaller things that happened this week. The Nintendo 3DS's YouTube app is broken for the time being. With a lot of the uh, technology changes going on with YouTube, it's possible that it might even be broken permanently at some point. I don't know if that's right now or some point in the future. Can't say I ever really used it, so I'm not too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I same same for me. Uh, my actu- my roommate actually uses it a lot, and he's been seeming to enjoy it. So I wonder if there are a lot more people using the 3DS app than we might think. Um, the Ice Climbers are coming to Super Mario Maker as a costume. The Five Nights at Freddy's series likely will not come to Wii U. 
The CEO of GameStop says the Wii U is disappointing to everyone, Nintendo included, but that he is excited for the NX. EA says they'll make NX games if it makes sense for them. The original Legend of Zelda was inducted into the Video Game Hall of Fame. Platonic Games will be at E3 this year, with big news coming soon. That ukulele will be an NX exclusive. Obviously. <laughs> Wii U really yeah, has I, no games. I, I kind of doubt that. But, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah, I am excited to see what they share, though. Mm-hmm. And Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions has added three new tour dates for the summer, so if you are near St. Louis, LA, or Philadelphia, be sure to get tickets. The Bravely Second End Layer Collector's Edition is back in stock on Amazon. The Nintendo UK store is canceling some pre-orders for the special edition of Fire Emblem Fates, and you can now pre-order a gorgeous 20-inch statue of Samus Aran. If you don't want to have any money. Yes. A fan remade Super Mario 64's Bob-omb Battlefield in Super Mario Galaxy 2. You can have simplified Pokemon battles in Halo 5 on a fan-made Forge map. The Pokemon Company International generated $2.1 billion in revenue last year. Star Fox Zero sold just 25,000 copies at launch in Japan, making it the worst sales debut in the history of the series. A live-action Chinese crime drama based on The Legend of Zelda is now available online. A Pokemon cookbook with over 35 recipes is coming in December. Nintendo patented a cell phone that doubles as a gaming device back in 2001. A modern made Virtual Boy games playable in VR with Google Cardboard. And lastly, eSports fans are petitioning the White House to make Smash Bros players eligible for US work visas. Which I think this is a cool step towards gaming becoming more legitimized in society. So that's cool. Yeah, you know, definitely. professional gamers can get work visas. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We are really working hard to make this show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot. Uh, and they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that yet, please do. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show in our Mystery House segment. We're going to be doing that advice column starting ne- next episode, so you know you can start getting those advice questions in. You can start getting those what are your thoughts on this subject questions in for the Sacred Realm. Uh, it's all a great way to get involved, so we're looking forward to it. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A, and at Colin McIsaac, C-O-L-I-N. M-C-I-S-A-A-C on Twitter. And Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. Uh, if you cannot wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. On our way out, please enjoy some music. Uh, I have... <laughs> we had something else planned, and now... Now that the show ended early, uh, I'm going to choose something else uh, that's more fitting. We'll see what it is. I don't know. It's going to be great. It's a secret to everybody. (laughs) Yeah, even me. Um, So thank you all so much for listening, and we hope that you have another great week.
Bye, bye.